0: Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime, whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. Now, here's health and wellness specialist Leah Brenda Smith.
2: Hello and welcome. I am your host, Leah Brenda Smith, and so pleased to be here today with you on Come Back to Your Senses Radio, on Voice America Variety and Project Freedom Radio Network. And this week we're talking about zoning out, an innate coping strategy. Zoning out. You know, at some at some point, we've all found ourselves, you know, just sitting, maybe staring at your computer, staring off into space, and you know you realize you're not really taking anything in. And that nothing you're looking at is really registering anything in your mind. And that's a simple example of zoning out. Or some might say a dissociative moment. And this state really can be referred to as somewhere between you're not asleep, yet you're not really fully awake. You're kind of a sleep, uh, being awake, a little bit of daydreaming. You can just be. Uh, seem to be a combination of all these experiences sort of happening simultaneously. And zoning out or dissociating, you know, people usually feel somewhat foggy in their head. Maybe notice that your vision's not quite as sharp as usual or that images might be fuzzy around the edges. And other people may describe this as if they're looking through a veil. Or even feeling like they're emotionally numb. Kind of sense of being kind of stunned. And we've all experienced this zoning out or dissociating, sometimes without realizing it. Like that example of driving down the road and you don't really be able to, you're not really able to identify or remember seeing anything that you drove past. Another classic example is when you're having a conversation with somebody and you can't remember what you were talking about. Or other times you may feel that something's just not quite right. Or you could feel far removed from your surroundings. Or even distant from people, as if you don't belong. Even at times people that you would normally feel quite close to. So this experience of zoning out or dissociation, it's it's really a state of being. And it is a protective mechanism. It is a coping strategy. And it's a strategy that the nervous system uses when it feels like it's overwhelmed. When your nervous system has received the maximum capacity really to process the stimulation that's coming at it. And it this could be true whether the stimulation is something that you're experiencing internally, something that's just going on inside of you, or because of things that are going on externally, or it could be a combination of the two things. Mm-hmm. Now, we all have days, you know, sometimes when you're you're interacting with people all day long, and then by the end of the day, you just feel so fatigued and overstimulated. You, you couldn't even think of having a conversation with anybody else, and sometimes you might be looking forward to that experience of going home and kind of uh, crawling into that new book that you're reading, but then you find that you can't concentrate, you know, you keep floating away reading the same paragraph over and over again, just in this sort of thoughtless, timeless kind of a void. And then during a time like that, it could be that even your favorite book, you know, can't hold your interest because you can't concentrate. That's a classic example of dissociating the coping strategy because the nervous system can't process any more information. So really you can think of dissociation as kind of putting a, a lid on the whole experience of stress really provides the opportunity for the body to be numbed out so that it doesn't have to continue to accumulate that buildup of internal stress or process the stress that's coming externally. And in this way, really dissociation or zoning out, it's really, it's normal and it's really a temporary backup plan, if you like, that's put into place by nature to help us cope when we feel overwhelmed. Yet if dissociation is frequent and extreme, then it can have its drawbacks. You know, like the spare tire on the car, it's a good temporary fix, yet it's really inadequate for, you know, regular daily driving all the time. It's not meant for that purpose. So that's the same thing with dissociation. It's a built-in coping strategy and mechanism the nervous system uses, yet it's certainly not meant as a way of life. It could be helpful, you know, if we look at dissociation or zoning out as something that happens really on a continuum, ranging from normal experiences that are common to all people. And then at the other end of the continuum, you could have severe or chronic dissociation or something that is referred to as dissociative identity disorder, which was formerly known as multiple personality disorder. Yet, even within those labels and within that kind of a category or diagnosis, there's certainly many degrees or layers of complexity and severity. Similarly, with post traumatic stress disorder, which dissociation and zooming out accompanies that as well, there's also those degrees or can be seen on a continu- continuum. It's it's relatively easy to recognize, just to recognize mild forms of zoning out or dissociating because we all experience these kinds of things all the time. You know, when you're talking to a friend and you hear their voice, and you may be gesturing and nodding, acknowledging, but you're not really there. No, you're physically there, but you're not all there. And you may have had your friend even wave their hand in front of your face, or you may have done it to somebody else and say, hello, are you there? Earth to Leia. Now, if this happens, you know, if this happens to you like that and your friend's waving their hand, then you seem to automatically, you just, as you see their hand waving, you can easily just jump back into the present moment. Yet for other people, they may experience this chronic zoning out or dissociation. It may be a chronic state. And for some people, it doesn't take very much stimulation to really tip that balance. It can be as straightforward or as simple as, you know, the stress of having to stand in a long line up at the grocery store or being stuck in traffic. Even the kids running around making loud noises and then you'd find in the next moment your nervous system becomes overwhelmed and the reflex reaction of dissociation is there. Now people may appear to be functioning and coping in the outside world, but the reality inside of themselves might be very different. They may feel like that they've, they've tucked themselves away and they're, they're just not there. You know, as the saying goes, you've heard that, the lights are on but no one's home. That's definitely that experience of dissociation, and we see it all the time. You know, you go to a restaurant and you could see a couple sitting at the restaurant having dinner with each other, yet it's only their bodies that are there. They could pass the whole meal and not even ever look at each other or talk to each other, just both of them seemingly staring off into space somewhere. So often, a person who is zoning out or dissociating, they'll have that glazed-over look in their eyes. Other people may notice this, like staring into space. And sometimes that kind of feeling, funnily enough, it can be quite intoxicating. And there might be the impetus to want to keep staring off into space. And... This tendency to want to continue with that is because there are certain opiates, if you like, that are being, there's these opiates that are being released in the brain. And these chemicals that are released into the brain can make you feel numb and can be very effective at masking any emotional pain and even physical pain. Yet other people experience dissociation as a feeling of going inward so the total opposite of the dissociated feeling is if you're floating on the outside some people just dissociate inwardly kind of feels as if the world's receded and you're you're all alone and sometimes and for some people this can kind of feel like a calm before the storm When dissociation becomes chronic, it can at times feel unbearable and people can resort to addictive or even self-interest behaviors. People are just really trying to reach for some kind of temporary relief from how they're feeling. And in chronic forms, dissociation can severely limit one's perceptions. So at some level, a person can sense that they're operating on a different plane than the rest of the world. They know something's wrong, yet they can't really put their finger on it. And then one of the other huge challenges is that if that's what you're experiencing, then uh, you, you could really lose your sense of those subtle exchanges that happen in interactions with other people and you wouldn't be picking up on the normal social cues that would be obvious if you were fully present. For some people, dissociation can make a person feel invisible and other times even powerless. And it can impair, impair your ability really to connect with others to such a degree that perhaps you're unable to care for yourself or really to care for other people So it's good to realize we're really talking about something that's on a continuum, that zoning out that is the regular sort of trying to find a way to deal with an overwhelmed nervous system in the moment. And then on the other continuum, a chronic kind of situation with dissociation that's really as a result of trauma, an unresolved trauma, that would bring you to a place where you felt like you couldn't cope or felt like it was excruciating. Let's just check in here with an excerpt from Compton's Interactive Encyclopedia, which states that the unconscious is like a great holding area or a a reservoir, if you like, of unprocessed events. So really what this means is that anything that we don't or that we can't assimilate consciously, it goes there, into the unconscious. And the unconscious always holds the irrelevant things such as images of strangers that we may have seen on the street or a program or a book you might have read. But it also holds important things that need to be brought into your conscious awareness. But they may be too big or too overwhelming to fit the existing system of whatever is going on in the conscious mind. There are times when people are not able to fully assimilate and experience and integrate the significance of an overwhelming experience like when there's trauma such as a car accident. You know, one of the passengers uh, maybe calmly calls an ambulance, administers first aid, maybe even reroutes the oncoming traffic. And then once the ambulance arrives, the person may fall apart and cry hysterically. In order to take care of the immediate priorities, the person dissociated their feelings and their emotions, and it was a temporary kind of a state. But the dissociated state allowed the person to, if you like, break up the larger experience into smaller, manageable pieces. And then the pieces were assimilated as soon as it was safe for the person to do so after the event. So then if the person in the accident didn't assimilate the dissociated part of their experience they would probably then suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. So the unconscious mind or the nervous system copes by helping us to dissociate in the moment in the midst of or in the face of trauma which is a normal response. Yet, if we don't at some point shortly after that integrate the trauma or go through that or process the trauma, then we would see either chronic experiences of dissociation or zoning out or even what's referred to as the post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, children are commonly seen to dissociate, not necessarily because of trauma, but because every time they get a new type of experience, then they have to modify or expand their faculties in order to assimilate it. So in the meantime, before that happens, the experience is dissociated and held in the unconscious mind. And there they kind of play with it and they use their imagination until they can work out a way to make it fit in with the reality that they're aware of. You know, and children are always going through new experiences, and so they may frequently dissociate, and this would be a normal response to an unfamiliar event. We do that as well. When we're faced with new information that we can't make sense of, we kind of zone out. You know, when you go to a course or a conference, and after a certain time, it's like, oh, okay, that's enough, I can't take in anymore, and so you kind of zone out or dissociate for a a short period of time until you can assimilate or integrate the information. So then children, they're really continually modifying and expanding their system or their conscious mind as they grow and as they develop. This is a natural process of growth and learning. And then as children mature, they would dissociate less and less because there would be fewer and fewer new experiences that They weren't able to fit into their conscious system in some way. But for everyone, really, the instinctive reaction to any kind of assault is a fight-or-flight response. Yet, if children are being abused by aggressive adults, then that wouldn't really work for them the only option really that's left is to kind of freeze it's kinda of like a a freeze frame and then they would actually take flight through the mind which would be a common initial coping mechanism would be to escape the body so they would dissociate off in the mind and some would refer to this as the beginning of a clinical amnesiac dissociation which allows a shutting down of something that's unbearable for the child. And it's held in an unassimilated way. So in effect, it really is frozen in time. And the child may appear to be frozen in time as well. And then the dissociated experience can be split up in either to store the emotions separately from the body's sensations. And then the Sensations, body sensations, would be stored separately from really the knowledge of the event. And then in dissociating an experience, children split off a part of themselves to hold the trauma. And in some cases, the dissociated aspect of the self, immediately over time, they dissociate that from their own and separate they create like a separate self a separate sense of self so they're really developing or forming their own and separate sense of themselves now there's a lot of theories and uh, about dissociation and zoning out and the dissociative process and it's really a field of study that's constantly changing as the phenomena of dissociation continues to be studied and managed and treated and as people continue to recover but basically we experience dissociative states when our nervous system is maxed out and this happens inadvertently as we take in more stimulation than our nervousness nervous system can process you know in life circumstances can overwhelm the nervous system at any time either during the developmental stages or later in life through traumatic events. And unresolved issues and traumas can really precipitate these dissociative pathways. You could think of it like, a, like an operating system in your computer. You know, when its maximum capacity is reached, then the computer automatically shuts down all the unessential software programs in order to save the resources for the critical functions and then at the same time it ensures that none of the important files are lost So it's like the brain is doing the same kind of a thing So when the maximum nervous system processing capacity has been reached then the dissociative mechanism turns on and it kind of shuts down the less important systems like a person's ability to concentrate. Now, unfortunately, this is not always advantageous for daily life and can be very, very poor timing. You know, as an example, you may if you may need to study for a, a midterm or prepare for a presentation or even host your family for the weekend. And your nervous system may not be able to handle it because... The nervous system's already overtaxed with previous stimulation. But it's good to remember that throughout a person's lifetime, it's part of the normal development of life to zone out or to dissociate occasionally as the response to the nervous system being overwhelmed. And you cultivating a regular practice of meditation or Other forms of relaxation. Or even assigning times when you can just zone out. (laughs) Imagine scheduling zone out times. I think we do this without actually scheduling it in. (laughs) We look forward to it when we're in the middle of things that are stressing us out. But really assigning times when you can just zone out. And kind of get that little getaway from the everyday, so to speak. Because we all need that from time to time. And it can be as simple as taking a nap on the couch after dinner or zoning out in front of the television, you know, in front of the shows you like, or perhaps sitting in front of the fire, staring off into the flames, or just letting yourself be mesmerized while sitting by the water, you know, that kind of timeless, endless kind of feeling that it can be to sit by the water or whatever it is that you like to do to produce that same kind of result. Because no matter who you are and what kind of lifestyle you have, everyone, everyone needs time. Needs downtime, you know. Some people need more downtime than others, but everybody needs that. And you're really the best judge of what it is that you may require. In terms of the times when you can just zone out, so as not to create chronic problems that may require more intervention than just kicking back and relaxing on the couch that's something that each of us individually need to monitor for ourselves so it's good to be mindful too of you know what is your reality what is your reality with regards to the past to past traumas and then what activities really do you use to self-soothe? So if you're drawn to activities like I mentioned in terms of just kicking back and relaxing or jumping into a book or watching the fire or something like that, that's pretty that's pretty normal types of responses and ways of just kicking back and relaxing or even zoning out in front of the TV occasionally. But if you're drawn to activities that make you numb or anything to really dissociate from what you might be feeling, then it's likely that what's really going on is you have some unresolved issues that may be vying for your attention. And if you don't give the attention to those aspects of yourself, then you may find yourself acting out in ways that may, you know, Hmm. not be so appropriate at some times. So I'm just going to give you a list of a bunch of examples of traumas that are uh, present or past traumas to your nervous system that may be relevant to you and to your own experience of dissociation, like parents fighting or sibling rivalry, peer pressure in the form of bullying, abuse, neglect, Addictions, even learning disabilities, ADHD or even dys- dyslexia, being ridiculed or feeling ashamed, teasing, fear, abandonment, allergies, food sensitivities, illnesses. If you're constantly being bombarded by stimulation, even in an environment that's too hot or too cold, or too loud, or boredom, or even understimulation. Accidents, injury, the death of a loved one, the death of a pet, witnessing an accident, or a murder, or a fire, a drowning, a robbery. The list is not fixed and it certainly is an infinite list. So really it could be anything that a person feels traumatized by. Something that stays with them that their conscious mind could not process in the moment. So the unconscious mind takes over to protect the conscious mind from the experience. So if we do not clear these experiences of past trauma then it's as if we are walking around with an open wound, that is very susceptible to being re-injured in any moment by any stimulus, and the circumstances in the moment don't need to match exactly. There could be just like a similar feeling or sound or smell or temperature, environment, even the time of year or changes in the season remember, every detail of your life experience is registered and stored in the subconscious mind. And this includes the experiences that you don't have any conscious memory of, the things that you don't remember, the things that maybe happened that you were dissociating in the moment, and that's why you don't have a conscious memory of them, because your unconscious mind and your nervous system was protecting you from the trauma. You know, just recall the feelings and thoughts or memories that come to the surface when you smell fresh bread baking, or the smell of a campfire, perhaps a musty smell, baby powder, or the smell of beer or cigarettes on someone's breath, the smell of rain in the air, someone's perfume or cologne, and these types of These types of olfactory experiences may elicit or conjure up pleasant or even unpleasant feelings and sensations from childhood. Maybe your sensations are more triggered by sounds, like the sound of a school bell ringing. (laughs) Remember the ice cream truck, the sound of the ice cream truck coming down the street, or rushing water, people yelling, the rides at the exhibition a door slamming, nursery rhymes, a tone of voice, or the sound of a car crash. Or your memories may come to the surface through visual stimulation like the color of someone's red dress or a floral print apron, a picture on the wall, a straw hat, a green book, A gory image in a movie, the vines growing up the side of the house, or even a loose floorboard. It could be anything. Memories are also embedded in the way things feel, like a soft blanket or rough skin, slimy food, someone's whiskers, or even a cool breeze on your skin. And tastes also can be strong triggers for both pleasant and unpleasant memories held in the subconscious like mum's apple pie or something sour, fried liver, strawberry ice cream, canned peas, or even grandma's pot roast. It's good to remember, you know, we're all individual when it comes to the, to sensations that we experience or we remember um, in the present and also things from the past, you know, those sensations that come in the form of feelings and thoughts and smells, images, tastes, and sounds, and the kind of meaning that these things hold for us. It could be pleasing and comforting, or it could be that these experiences and sensations provoke fear and anxiety. And even within the same family, you know, sensations and experiences and stimulation can affect everyone very differently. So a family, a shared family experience for one person may be held as a very pleasant memory for one member of the family. And for someone else, it could hold keys to one of the worst memories for other members of the family. Yet knowing really, knowing the power of the subconscious mind, it can play an important role in initiating a process that may help you to unwind experiences from the past, that may hold valuable information for you, for you to be able to free yourself so that you're more able to be present in your life. Now, people have both conscious and unconscious habits in the present that they use to safeguard them against the recurrence of unpleasant experiences from the past. Now, a woman that was previously abused by a man when she was in her early childhood, might not ever get on an elevator alone with a man, and this would be sa- this would be her like safeguarding. And it might happen consciously, or it might happen unconsciously. Just like someone who gets their heart broken in relationship may never trust anyone again, and really, really never allow themselves to enter deeply into relationship. Safeguarding from that initial experience that maybe they haven't resolved And so in ways they're walking around still with that sense of brokenheartedness A trauma from the past well, There are some common signs associated with zoning out and dissociation Like exaggerated emotional responses in the present You know where a person overreacts to something So whenever you have situations where people are overreacting, let's say you could say that a percentage of the, let's say 30% is really related to the current situation that's happening in the moment. And then 70% of the response could really be a reaction to the past events, you know, we've all felt those experiences and been around people where something happens in the moment and then you're so surprised Either by yourself or someone else's reaction to a situation, because it just seemed to be so exaggerated compared to what actually occurred, and when this happens, whoever's experiencing it's likely going to have a, an inaccurate assessment of the current situation, and may not you know they may frequently not be able to really see what's going on in front of them because Their experience is clouded or flooded with memories or images or thoughts and feelings of earlier or uh, earlier similar or even just previous experiences. They don't always even have to be similar experiences. It just may be the emotional reaction that's similar or the way that it made them feel was similar, yet the circumstance itself could be not related at all. And people's reactions can show up in the form of excessive anxiety, fear, feeling frozen or paralyzed in the moment, being unable to speak, words getting caught, you know, when words get caught in your throat, or even temper tantrums or flash anger, excessive teasing or excessive competition, extreme insensitivity to others, even callous behavior or extreme jealousy, or possessiveness, or even projecting onto others. And these are just some of the examples of reactions that people can have when there is that experience of unresolved trauma that is held that will, as a result, people will often be dissociating because they're locked in the past somewhere which is different from just the regular kind of zoning out and dissociating that happens as a normal way of the nervous system trying to balance out stress or overstimulation. So in some situations, you know, an individual is co-conscious, and although they may not be able to stop their reaction in the moment, they're at least aware and mindful of their behavior. In another case, since a person may be totally unaware of their behavior and their reactions. And there's lots of common ways that people use to try and separate themselves from the uncomfortable feelings and thoughts and sensations. You know, people try to numb out those uncomfortable feelings and memories or pain of unpleasant things. People do it through excessive use of alcohol or drugs or gambling, sex, shopping. Dramatic behavior, sugar, carbs, just eating too much food. Carrying weight can be seen as a way of zoning out because it really can blur the boundaries of where you are defined. And it can create a buffer or safety zone between yourself and the rest of the world, which can seem to be an effective way of that idea of keeping yourself safe. And... I'm certainly no stranger to trauma, which is true of most people. And I had mentioned before that I had experiences, repeated experiences, of sexual abuse at a very young age, at the age of four, that really left me traumatized for a long time. So really, aside from the sense of confusion and fear, the shame and abandonment and anger and betrayal, that are really common in those types of experiences unlike many people I always remembered the experiences so lots of people the trauma is uh, to the point where the conscious mind totally um... Uh, it blocks out the experience and they don't remember I remember early in my uh, teaching and treating practice um, having many students and uh, people come into my treatment practice that didn't realize that they experienced early uh, childhood abuse or sexual abuse or other types of trauma until they were well into some of them their 50s, 60s, and 70s before um, the experiences or the memories ever surfaced um, for them. But in my case, as I said, I always remembered and maybe just can describe something to you. It was as if you think of it as a young child, like that. You're just you're developing your sense of self and your self image and your your own feeling of who you are. And then an experience of trauma, like what I experienced, or any other type of intense trauma, can come along. In a way that I described it one time, is as if that sense of self is like a a mirror inside and. The experience of the trauma is like shattering the mirror, shattering that sense of self. And then there, afterwards, there's that experience of being fragmented. Like, you, your, your sense of self is in pieces then. And so that can account for that experience of dissociation like that because you feel fragmented. Like little bits and pieces, if you like. And uh, as is often common with lots of people, you know, um, uh, I don't know if it's a saying that the idea of abuse uh, begets abuse that commonly people will have more than one kind of experience of abuse if that is what's happening when they're young. And I certainly had repeated experiences of that type and other types as people do in their life. And so there was this sort of multi- multiplicity, if you like, of the experiences of abuse, or if you like, traumas that weren't resolved. And, you know, like classic things like the peer pressures and bullying as a child then is already on top of those other experiences of abuse. And parents splitting up when I was an adolescent and, you know, my mother's sudden death when I was a teenager and... My son having an accident uh, with a couple of dogs when he was young and different types of experiences like that that kind of uh, stack experiences of trauma. And then really it was through the experience of a, a friend that was sharing with me her experiences of seeing a counselor who specialized in working with people that dissociate. And the more that this friend talked about it, the clearer it was for me, that it was something that I, too, was struggling with. And prior to that, I didn't understand what it was about, and I kind of chalked up a lot of what I was feeling, uh, really as just feelings of of depression or feeling um, to be separate. And uh, and I, I chalked it up to depression because of the things that had happened to me. Although I never went to a doctor and never... Had a diagnosis, and I was clear that I didn't want to be a person that took pharmaceuticals, and I didn't want to go to a doctor and get a prescription for something. Yet I was able to to manage and cope with the with the challenges of depression. I'd seem to always be able to function. You no, know, so the repeated experiences of trauma then led to the repeated experiences of dissociation, chronic cycles of dissociation. And then fortunately through speaking with my friend, I was able to identify the problem and then seek help from a counselor who specializes in dissociation. And then was able to go through my own process then of coming into, if you like, recovering those pieces from that that shattered mirror that I was using as a as an example earlier. And certainly it can be very challenging to be in an intimate relationship when you're dissociating. You know, you might feel comfortable in one moment with the person, and then in the next moment something could happen that could make that change. You could dissociate or react to something that's unresolved from the past, and in the next moment you might wonder what you're doing with that person, and then again it could change again. And... It could change into a feeling of feeling comfortable or change into another mode of not feeling comfortable. And uh, for another person, the other person you're in relationship with, they can experience your behavior as very inconsistent. And it can be extremely challenging to be in relationship then because they may have a sense of, well, they're not sure who they're, who they're dealing with. You know, what what aspect of the self is going to be Uh, forward that day if you like or in that moment and it's also when you're still caught in the experiences inside of unresolved trauma it's also um, common that you would be attracted into relationships with individuals that seem to mimic whatever the dynamic was in your family of origin and that too can be very challenging You know, as part of my process of my recovery and integration, I recognized an aspect of myself that I, that I named Kirby. And uh, Kirby was a real helper, you know, a, a strong and sensible, and Kirby was certainly compassionate and loyal. And I kind of experienced that as like a young boy. Kirby was, for me, like a young boy who was sitting on the curb, hence the name Kirby. And I just had this um, sense that Kirby was there to help me and he was sitting on the curb because of all the unpleasant things that had happened to me in my childhood. And Kirby's role was to sit on the curb so that I didn't have to. Kirby was sitting on the curb so that I could get up and carry on with my life and live my life. So it's been an incredible experience for me to go through the process of working with a counselor who's familiar with dissociation and helping me walk through that process and come into more of an experience of first, really understanding it, and then being able to uh, resolve and integrate the experiences of trauma so that I could live my life in the moment and not have to numb myself from the experiences. And I found for myself That when I started doing the work with the counselor At that point I was still smoking pot And it became really clear to me That actually smoking pot was Really making my situation worse And I began to be able to track it That I noticed that when I would smoke That within a few moments I would dissociate And I was so grateful to be able to see that And see the mechanism Because it helped me to realize How I was continuing to Um, perpetuate the problem and uh, then it made it uh, clear to me that in order to really um, become the best version of myself and to recover from my life experiences that one of the things I need to do is to let go of uh, the addiction let go of as I mentioned in another show I let go of cigarettes and alcohol and smoking pot and unhealthy ways of, of eating which were all keeping me held in those experiences of the trauma and making it difficult for me to actually recover and move forward, so I'm happy to report that um uh, we can recover uh whatever it is, we can recover and we can recover ourselves and integrate and and um live uh, in a happy, healthy, healthy way, which is wonderful. It's wonderful news and uh, meant to be great encouragement for other people that may be experiencing the same types of things because you know dissociation is uh, one of those things that is not necessarily so clear or so obvious. I can remember times of just walking around and and you know it would be like if I wasn't paying attention to and taking care of what was going on inside of me and the parts of myself that felt wounded or hurt from past traumas, that sometimes these aspects of myself would would start acting out. And some of you may know exactly what I'm talking about. You know how you go places or you're in social situations and then you just start saying hmm, silly things or immature things or do, doing strange things that are just a reaction to something. It's like a, a younger part of yourself comes out or... Even as parents, even we experience that with our parents or we may have experienced that as parents or you may see families where you see the adults acting like children and the children acting like adults and when there's things going on like that you can see that there's unresolved issues, unresolved issues, issues in the tissues, the trauma that is protected by the unconscious mind. The conscious mind helps us to dissociate. The nervous system helps us to dis- dissociate and tune out so that we can manage and we can survive whatever it is that the trauma is that we may have experienced. You know, in the Grace Counseling Care Connections, they... um. And they say that those who research this phenomena called dissociation are making new discoveries all the time about this. And that although they're really still not exactly sure really how it occurs or what's really going on, there's some common observations that are made of people who dissociate. And so I'm just going to mention them to you here that generally speaking, that they're tend to be people that are highly intelligent and very creative, even though they themselves may not feel that that's true. They're generally highly sensitive emotionally, and they seem to notice and be affected by the emotional tone of their environment, more so than some of the other people around them. So they often have a tendency towards strong compassion and empathy for others, for human beings and also for for creatures, for animals, for the trees. And generally speaking, most people that dissociate in a more extreme type of way have uh, suffered a significant degree of trauma or abuse in their lives. And this can include traumatic events such as accidents or serious illnesses. It could be any type of abuse, whether it's physical or emotional or sexual And it seems that the occurrence of trauma or abuse is almost always present in a person's history when dissociation is an issue. And those who have been traumatized or abused almost always have dissociation to some degree. So it is common in uh, those types of situations, and it is a coping strategy. Where would we be without that? It's a coping strategy, so it's actually a very healthy thing if you think of it from a very good perspective. Yet the important thing about it is that we need to recognize the importance of clearing those past traumas, freeing yourself from the whatever it is that may be keeping you held back inside. Uh, because certainly it makes it very challenging to move in the direction of your goals. It makes it very challenging for you to... Walk a path of being the best version of yourself and really the freedom to explore and develop and express your skills and your gifts if you're held by trauma from the past. It makes it difficult to be consistent and free-flowing in relationships. And when we have increased dissociation, it makes it difficult then to just function and cope with just daily regular life because of the stress on the nervous system and because of the internal experience that you could be triggered by these, uh, if you like, um, open wounds at any moment. So really, if you suspect that you or someone that you know is dissociating more than would be generally be considered appropriate to just that simple kind of zoning out and dissociating that happens just to manage regular daily stresses of life, then I really encourage you to seek out the help of a trained professional. You know, because you too can resolve your past trauma and learn to live as a fully present adult in your own life rather than feeling more. It can feel more like like an amoeba sometimes, you know, that's just... um, being poked around and prodded by stimulus in the external or the internal environment and um, I'm certainly grateful for all the support and the guidance that I've received along the way because certainly on the one hand um, having the good fortune to find a a counselor or a therapist that is versed with dissociation and they are out there you can ask for them by name and many people are misdiagnosed before finding out that that actually is what the what the difficulty is. But more and more now, counselors are aware of dissociation as a coping strategy and not a mental health uh, disorder or illness. And um, the other great thing besides having a, a great coach or therapist or counselor that's familiar with dissociation is having um, friends, family members, some kind of support system people that will just let you be yourself and let you uh, support you as you find your way through the process. So there is good news. Zoning out is normal. And when we experience it in extremes because of uh, post-trauma, that we can recover. And uh, so I encourage you to seek out the help that you need for that if you feel that you need help for that or someone that you know that may be struggling or suffering with that. As always, it it is my privilege and my pleasure to speak with you every week about different areas of life where we may be able to shine some light and give some support to help people to increase their ability to enjoy their life and to maximize their potential to be the best version of yourself. I thank you for tuning in to come back to your senses radio and I am your ever grateful host Leah Brenda Smith. And until next time, I encourage you to relax and enjoy life. We
1: hope you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life. Thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Please join Leah Brenda Smith again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week.